Yeah, we're back again for another episode of Conversations with Cheese in the Tugboat. Uh, no cheese for this one. We are sans cheese. But I do have the Admiral Bonesaw here with me today. Admiral? Good day, good day. It's good to have the Admiral back. And uh, since the Admiral's here, you know that we're going to be talking about the Leafs. Because that is his forte subject. I don't know if I'd call it my forte, but... Would, would you call it your Kia Forte? Maybe your Matt Forte? Yeah, I can, I can look things up on the internet. Okay, well, we'll call that your Forte then, being an internet hustler. Not sure what that means either, but... We, uh, we last came to you about the Leafs uh, during the dismal, disparaging times of the mid-season collapse and subsequent coach firing and just general malaise of... Uh, I think the last three months of the season had a little, yeah. a little squabble about whether they should tear it down or add some pieces. Looks like the Admiral somehow fluked out and won that one. Um, yeah, that's right. Commencing with a full teardown from the top on down. Uh, poor little Dave Nonis had to go away and the, whoever the coach was at the, the time and then later Carlisle and then... Uh, Jeez, that's not good. I don't even remember the poor other <laughs> bastard's yeah. name. Yeah, but a little bit out of order, too. First, well, Carlisle first, and then that was when the debate ensued. Yeah. Whether they should rip it apart. And then they played out the rest of the season with poor Peter Horacek just kind of... That's the bugger. Dumbfounded behind the bench. Yeah, he did look stunned more nights than not. So he fell on the sword, and then that's when they basically cleaned cleaned house when it came to the scouting staff, the general manager, complete restructure of their front I, office. I thought they hired Mark Hunter before they cut the head off of Horacek. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure exactly, but it's, he was hired, I think, before Nonis went. Yeah. For sure. It was a Ned Stark-like beheading for Peter Horacek. Yeah. Brought him out into the town square. Actually, it was pretty quiet, if I recall correctly. He was, yeah, he was kind of just just a place placeholder. I yeah. was surprised uh, during the Babcock sweet stakes that they were in the talks as much as they were, and then ultimately they pulled the trigger on that. Um, what are your What are your thoughts in general on the Babcock hiring? Well, I think it's. I was a bit surprised because everyone was saying, "Oh, there's no chance he's going to Toronto. No chance." But I think in the end, they offered him money that was hard to turn down. And, pretty sh and the other factor was I'm not sure how much his wife wanted to live in the, the Buffalo area. So I think those were the big factors. And just the challenge of everyone thinks if they can win a cup in Toronto, they'll, be the, they'll put a bronze statue of them up in front of the, the ACC. Which they probably would. Yeah, probably. I'm not probably. gonna lie. I have that in common with Mike Bobcock's wife that I would be pretty hesitant to live in the greater Buffalo area, especially Tonawanda. <laughs> I, I can't comment. I don't know that much. I don't get, think I've ever been to Buffalo proper. I've driven through Tonawanda uh, on several occasions, and each time there has been a fire of some kind. One time, a school bus was on fire filled with young female soccer players just 
they were on the bus and the bus was on fire. No one thought to take the kids off of the burning bus. So <laughs> forever flavored my opinion of the greater Buffalo area, which could be unfair. I'm not saying it's not a pl- nice place to live, but just not for me. Not for me. Uh, it'd be like being offered to coach or to manage the New York Yankees versus the, I don't know, the Devil Rays or the, the Brewers or whoa, something whoa, like whoa. that. Whoa, whoa, First off, there's no more <laughs> Devil Rays. They're just the Rays. The Rays, whatever. Uh, I think it would be more like the Diamondbacks who are, have been perpetually <laughs> horrible. Although, I would consider it because Arizona is a beautiful place. Okay, how about this? You could manage or coach the the uh, New York Jets or the Dallas Cowboys or the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a great example considering it's Buffalo again. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the moral of the story is uh, I don't want to live in Buffalo at all. Uh, Mike Babcock's wife. Well, Mike Babcock's wife is going to have a long time in Toronto. What do you think about the term? Is it too long? Not long enough? Your thoughts? Uh, well, having said all that, I'll be surprised if he makes it the, what is it, 10 years or 8 years? 8 years, I believe. I'll be pretty shocked if he makes it all the way through, but for them it's just money. Yeah. It's, like, they've got lots of it. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I, I was pretty shocked when I saw the term. And I mean, it is going to be his regime, but uh, if the rebuild doesn't happen within 5 years, like if they're not winning like a lot consistently in 5 years... I think either he'll quit or the fans will just rise up and demand him be run out of town like they did to Brian McCabe, Randy Carlisle, Phil Kessel. Well, pretty much a, anyone that's played there of note. Yeah. Except Matt Sundin. He left on his own terms. Well, and there were lots of calls for him to leave town at the end because they were in the midst of yet another rebuild and they wanted him to go like shipped out so they could get something in return. For yeah, that should just be called a rejig at that point. This yeah. is the first time they've actually rebuilt maybe in franchise history. Yeah, um, I mean, Brian Bird came in and got too, too tempted to speed things up. Yeah, like, got too horned up and tried to make some moves. And uh, that basically set them, he acquired the core that they're now trying to, just trying to rip apart at the moment dismantle which is probably for the best i didn't necessarily agree with all those moves they seem to work in the short term but long term no um so the other question about babcock outside of where his wife wanted to live was will he be able to lose he's always won he's a champion coach um take no guff off no one type of guy do you think that he'll be able to suffer as he called it the pain that's going to happen for the first couple of years yeah, that's that's gonna be a big change of pace for him, and he's. I mean, last few seasons in, in Detroit, he's had a lot of younger guys with uh, coming up from the AHL with all the injuries that they've had. But this time around, they're gonna be pretty bad. I think <laughs> you'd have to really spin some magic to make these guys a respectable team. But, See, and that's that's where we disagree from <clears throat> the previous previous episode that we did i think that with proper coaching some of the pieces that are in place aren't as terrible as people think they are um they do have they don't have the high-end skill in the lineup that they need to to win like they're reliable game changers 
but I'm thinking guys like Fanuf, possibly Kadri and Lupul, um, with better coaching or kind of a better system to play in and, and proper buy-in to that system, I think that they can still win games. Like I, I'm looking at a team as it sits right now that could be around 500. Could be. I don't think they'll be much better than that, but they're not wow. going to be an Edmonton Oilers dive for the, the donut again. I don't see them being... They do have some good pieces, but they're young. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, Morgan Riley, Nylander. I don't know if he'll make they'll play him in the NHL this year. Uh, Kadri's an interesting one. He has he has a lot of skill, and I think he'll benefit hopefully from from Babcock's uh, coaching style. He seemed to be a little more responsible in his own end at times last year, and I think that's something that a Babcock system well just watching Datsuk and Zetterberg play they're always cognizant of their own end so if he can but, translate that to Kadri that would be strong well, beyond those guys pretty much Riley Kadri and then the new guys that are the, kind of the new prospect those are the only guys that I would say I wouldn't move or wouldn't consider untouchable yeah I wouldn't, gonna, I wouldn't consider anyone else untouchable either but I think if they do keep them with better coaching, they could be respectable. Yeah, and I think that's going to take some time. Guys like, so who's going to be their, as it stands right now, who's going to be their first line? First line? Probably, probably Bozak, JVR, and... Uh, Lupul or somebody like that. <laughs> Lupul, they had, well, he, Lupul was the first liner was three years ago and when him and Kessel went on a little run. Yeah, but if you if you ignore the lack of a first line, they have excellent <laughs> third and four. They like they would have the one of the best two, three, four lines in the in the East probably. Not, or not one of the best, but they'd certainly be competitive with guys like Parento and Arcabello, Richard Panic, Peter Holland still in the mix. They re signed Winnick somehow. If Komarov gets out of jail in Finland, <laughs> I mean, they've got pretty good pieces, especially that bottom six. I think they're pretty strong in the bottom six. It's just yeah. the whole the hard, top the hard, three. The difficult players to find and develop are the, the top six guys who are going to be like your core, basically your core. They're trying to get rid of their current core and build a new core of young talent. Yeah. That's gonna, hopefully that's going to take some time. Hopefully they're patient enough to That's where you have your your kids that are like, you know, Kapanen and Nylander are 18 and 19. And you have young defensive prospects all. You have three or four guys under 22 that uh, could be your back end. But it looks, it looks as though they're moving towards skill drafting Mitch Barner um, and Nylander with their first picks over the last two drafts. So they're not going necessarily for size. They're looking for guys who are skilled and can, because it, it's hard to teach guys that high-end skill. Yeah, well, we, we're digressing a little bit. Let's uh, 
let's get back on track here. Oh, I know who could be your <laughs> who who could be your first line right winger. Could be Nathan Horton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he gets the rods inserted into his spine, he'll be fine. Okay, so we talked about Babcock. Um, we're talking about prospects and stuff. Let's move into the draft. Going into the draft, still no GM hired, which is pretty ballsy maneuver if you ask me, but uh, they didn't. So they went in with Mark Hunter and uh, young Dubis leading the charge, and symbolically, I watched it naturally, but uh, for the first their first pick, the uh, fourth overall pick when they took Hunter's boy, Marner, uh, symbolically Shanahan stayed back at the table, which was kind of weird because he was literally the only one still sitting at the table of like the 10 guys. Yeah. Which is also fairly ridiculous how they need to parade everybody up on stage all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think at this point they're comfortable you know, having a GM by committee. They also have that, uh, what's his name? Brandon Prudholm or Brent Brent Prudholm, some guy who used to work for the league's front office. Yeah. Uh, was, he's like their cap manager right now. He used to he used to be in charge of what, when teams would submit trades, he'd have to approve them, make sure they fit under the structure of the their CBA. Yeah. So he's so. kind of their their legal guy or their the new Claude Lozwell. Pretty much. Uh, Hunter's their talent expert, kind of the, the the more the subjective side of things, spotting talent, having an eye for talent, and then Dubis is the, is the analytics guy. So between the and Shanahan's the the man in charge. And he's so the overlord. I don't know if they need another guy in there. They had a a group. Brian Burke had his horde of GMs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I think that if it was me, I would probably just, I don't know if it's, you just keep it empty for now so there's no pressure on Dubas, but really he's the GM, and then Hunter's your head scout who works closely with him, but I agree, they seem to have most of the facets that a GM would cover, and there's no accountability to one person, which I don't know if yet if that's good or bad, but they're not in a rush, that's for sure. Well, I think Shanahan's the He's the one who takes the heat. Yeah, he'll be overall. the he'll be the face of it if it falls on its face. Yeah, he's the guy who addresses the media for the most part, but they all have their own. They all do interviews and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, they did make some pretty sweet moves, um, turning that late round pick into several picks. Uh, I thought that was friggin' magical the way they did that, but the percentage of second and later round picks making it to the league is significantly lower than first rounders. So what are your thoughts on, on that? Do you think that they should just try and get one solid no question guy each year or stock the cupboard like they did this year? Well, I think, uh, Hunter's Hunter's MO is he likes to have a lot of picks from what I've heard. He likes to have a lot of choice. These are all his guys he's bringing in. Yep. Um, I think if you look at teams that, that do win, they do have really solid support role players. Like um, Brandon Zod. I don't think he was a first-round pick. Was he? he just got traded for from Chicago because they couldn't afford to pay him after all the 
Yeah. So the teams that, that win tend to have a deep lineup, four lines deep that, that can hurt you, that can all skate, that can all play. No more kind of just put a couple of pluggers on the fourth line to, to fill out your roster. So you have to, I think it's evolving and it's going to, maybe those percentages will change in the next few years. But uh, I think, it's my opinion, you have to have a pretty deep lineup to be successful, especially in the playoffs where guys get hurt every year on every team. Yeah, I I yeah, I I think so too. I think he uh just having all those picks and it's a it's a just a numbers game too a little bit where the more you the more you throw at the wall, the more likely it is something to stick as it were. Yeah. So the last year Edmonton's in the last few years and I think maybe one or two guys on your roster came after drafted after the first round. Yeah. Which is why they also cleaned house. I forget the guy. There was someone that was a seventh round pick who was a big deal all of a sudden. I forget the name. Somebody out there is probably screaming it, but um so there you know, I, I think that was the, the right move to make and I think restocking the cupboard is definitely should be a priority because I don't know. I I thought they had a lot of guys, but I think most of them. What's the word? Sucked. So, <laughs> getting getting and no offense to them. I'm sure they try hard, but um, they suck. So, they had to uh, kind of raise the bar on the level of talent in their cupboard, which it looks like they're doing instead of just picking either Europeans that are never going to play in the NHL. Read Lucas Soretta, or uh, which is going back a few years, but or just big horses like friggin that frederick goche who what's his ceiling like uh third line center so maybe yeah he's a good face-off guy but his skating is yeah awful yeah his (laughs) hockey sense from what i saw watching him in the really small sample size of the world juniors was he was not even close to the same level as the rest of the team no i think he played did he play for Quebec? no or the Oceanic. I think he went to the Memorial, Memorial Cup, so he got some big game experience there yeah. as well. But yeah, he's definitely he's been in some big like some top end games, but at the same time, he just I don't know. The the Leafs have been excellent at developing third and fourth line players over the last couple of years. Guys like Matt Fratton, and you can go on down the list. Um, Troy Bodie, etc. <laughs> But they re- yeah. <laughs> really need to work on that kind of top six type of area because bringing in those people just hasn't hasn't fleshed out yet. So yeah, they, they for a while they like to trade their first round pick. Yeah, that was the classic JFJ maneuver. Yeah, so they, the cupboard was pretty bare for a while, and it, so high end talent they've had to acquire for the most part: Lupul and Reemstake. Kessel. Yeah, and they they haven't paid a huge, except for Kessel, which I I know your feelings on it, but for the rest of those guys, they didn't pay a king's ransom to get them. But, no. But either Uppel, way, Uppel makes five point two five for the next three seasons. Yeah. And he, he's hurt. The problem, uh, the problem with the well, we'll get into that later on. We'll skip over that for a second. What I want to ask you is. Were you surprised that there was no deal for Kessel at the draft? Um, for what I understand, they were they're in in talks 
after that they actually made the deal. I don't know what the, the sticking point was. I think they, at least symbolically, that was a big step forward in, in changing the the outlook of this team, the way it's you know, from the dressing room to the who's you know who's going to be eating up all the minutes to uh, getting the salary cap or space on the cap wiped clean. Yeah. Um, you could you, you could argue that you could wait you could have wait and see how he would have uh, fared with Mike Babcock. Maybe his numbers would have been decent to start the year, and he could have increased his value to a certain extent. But really, you're trading a guy that makes eight million dollars a season for another seven years. Not so many teams are going to be able to take that on. So just to, because you're moving such a huge contract, you're going to have to change your expectations. You're not going to get a full Kessel caliber player coming back necessarily. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the – and we'll just slide into talking about the Kessel deal now. But uh, I think that there's a lot of people that saying, oh, you didn't get enough back when you trade a, a top-line player like that. You're supposed to get a prospect that will develop into a replacement for that. But – you know, people talk about generational players, and I wouldn't quite say that Phil Kessel is a generational player, but he's no, he's, he's not far off. There's no not many. <clears throat> I think there's four people that have scored more points than him in the last five years, and uh, even fewer have scored more goals than him in the last five yeah. years. So no, there's no question he's a talented player, and the problem with him was he, he always left you wanting more. Want you know he's he showed you this natural talent, natural skill that you that you felt that he wasn't um, giving you all he could. I mean, there's always the rumors of him showing up 10, 15 pounds overweight. Yeah, or going to get a hot dog every day outside his apartment. I was just reading <laughs> that article. But, uh, at, at whose apartment? Outside of his apartment. He would go downstairs and get a hot dog every afternoon. Um there's a really good article that's probably going to get pulled pretty soon off of uh, pension plan puppets. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's a fun, fun little add on at the end. Uh, apparently Phil Kessel beat Tyler Sagan at a speed skating competition at the all-star game. And he was, he was one of the fittest Leafs when they did their preseason testing last year. And then everyone came out and started calling him, uh, calling him fat and overweight and whatnot double trend even though he was he won all the vo2 max and whatever else you probably know more about it than i do but well some like vo2 max you can some a lot of that is genetic so that's what i mean he has the genetic makeup probably to be a good athlete but i don't know how who knows maybe he does train harder than uh than it appears that he does maybe it's just all god given yeah like booby miles yeah it's god given baby uh from what i understand gary roberts is opening a facility in pittsburgh and is supposed to be working with him so That's we'll scary. Now he'll probably score about 50 goals and yeah so here's the the other piece of it for me is that kessel even like through his U- ushl or whatever else he did like playing for the u.s national team he was never the guy like, he was never the be-all, end-all, put-all-your-eggs-in-that-basket guy. And then Toronto, it was basically him and Phaneuf, and then whoever happened to be in the goalie turn style at the time. 
were the guy and um they really ragged on Fnuf and they ragged on Castellan for like three or four years they just kept quiet and then eventually Castle had a little blow up last year trying to defend his captain and the media just sunk their teeth into him and that was almost like his uh kiss of death but I think him going to Pittsburgh is especially dangerous because he has no pressure on him they have two other guys above him and then the goalie who are going to take all the heat so he can just go about his ho-hum day-to-day business burying 50 goals yeah, I think it's a good place for him to play. But nowhere near the media attention. Yep, and he'll be he's back. One beat, beat writer, maybe. So he's in a pretty, uh, you know, it's a, a bit of a history. Uh, good fan base in Pennsylvania. I didn't want to say Philadelphia because their fans are hard and insane, but um, Pittsburgh has a nice loyal fan base. They'll adore him. He'll score a stupid amount of goals. Crosby will probably break Wayne's assist record. That might be pushing it, but I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, so I I think it's just gonna be he's gonna have just a great situation for him going to Pittsburgh. We'll see. Who knows? He might hate it and hate steel workers or whatever else goes on there. But um, coming back, what about this Kapanen youngster? The conventional wisdom is that. Who you get back as a prospect supposed to replace Kessel? Do you think that's on the um, radar, or do you think he has that high of a ceiling? Um, no, I don't think he's going to be as good as Kessel. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know that much about him. I know he was the youngest player taken in that draft. Yep. He's uh, Sammy Kapanen's boy. Yep. Um, beyond that, I don't know. He's a skilled guy. That's about it. The I think it's. Because you're not going to replace Phil Kessel directly, they've acquired multiple assets. So Scott Harrington played in London. That's why he was a target in the deal. And then the picks, the first round pick, the third round pick. Yeah. So you're hoping that that those turn out to be quality players that will be on the roster in you know five to seven years or whatever. And to give you a little a little taste of uh, Kapanen, as an 18-year-old, I guess probably 17 and 18-year-old, um, in the uh, most elite Finnish league, he was averaging, um, at the end of the year, he was averaging 0.5 points per game. And uh, a guy like Barkov, who is a first-line potential powerhouse talent, um, top three for sure, he was averaging 0.91 um, in his in the year that was in his last year. In his first year, so the same year that Kapanen played, he was 0.5 as well. Yeah. Um, so. And then Granlund, Michael Granlund, was 0.92 and 0.93 in both years, so that's kind of impressive. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a bunch of these other names I don't even recognize, but no, I yeah. Oh, here he is down here, 0.51 to top six. They're projecting with a really high rate of success. So uh, all his numbers are better than UC Jokinen, who had a little flair of being awesome and then disappeared. But yeah, he's he said he's a shootout specialist. Yeah, that was his that was his ceiling. But no, I think um, I think at 
at worst, he'll be an excellent second line player and with the right kind of development and whatnot, uh, he could be a pretty solid first line right winger. Oh, you can play with Michael Nylander. Yeah, and I think uh or William Nylander. Yeah, Michael Nylander might maybe in like an old folks game He's type a little, of thing. Probably a little too old and out of shape. Yeah. Uh, but he was an immensely talented playmaker, apparently. Yeah. So they and have... Throw Mitch Marner in there. So they've got a lot of... They, their focus is on skill, it seems. Yeah, and they're really throwing size out the window. I think maybe they feel they have enough from previous draft years or, or what it is. But they do have some other kind of... We'll get into the picks in a minute here. But um, just to wrap up that Kessel trade. So you think they adding a guy like Harrington, who I am really excited about because he's a plays in the style of the tugboat, a very shut down <laughs> defensive game. I don't, he's not huge. Um, he's not a big man. I'm just going to look up his numbers quickly here while I ramble, but um, yeah, it doesn't have it. But well, I don't know much about him other than I remember, I remember him from the World Juniors. I remember him being on the shutdown pair and being very impressive and having good numbers and just being – he's just a solid player. Um, that being said, also another guy they added in the frenzy, free agent frenzy, was Matt Hunwick. And he's similar in my mind anyways from what I've seen of him. He's 30, though. Just a solid defenseman, like an NHL defenseman. Maybe a third pair, maybe second pair on this team, depending on yeah. injuries and whatnot. But uh, I'm looking at their their defensive lineup, I'm thinking that's going to be their big hole this year. Not a goaltending, but with uh, Stefan Robidoff has another two years left on his contract. Yeah, I would be surprised if he makes it through both of those, but. You got Eric Brewer is gone. Um, Polak and Robidar, the only two right-handed defensemen in their in their kind of NHL depth pool. I don't know much about they acquired this Martin Marchinian or whatever Mar- his name is. Yeah, Marincin. he's he's another like he's he's more of a defensive stay-at-home like kind of tough guy defenseman than he is a a puck-moving scorer. But they don't need that. They have Gardner. And Riley, and potentially Fanuf, if they take the leash off of him, who can move the puck up the ice. And then now they're adding like defensive defensemen. I think focusing on defense is probably something that needs to happen since they haven't done that since the run and gun days of Ron Wilson. I somewhat I was curious as to whether or not they would have would have drafted Hafenin at the draft. Yeah, I was. I was actually really intrigued by that as well, and they were talking about it and saying that it was kind of a toss-up, but it seemed like it was Marner all the way, like there wasn't even a question about this yeah. Haffinen big prodigy. I mean, they're both going to be good, solid NHL players, but, I mean, you need the formula is you need to win. I, I think you need good goaltending. You need one or two kind of stud defensemen that can play. 25 to 28 minutes a game and just yeah. who can skate and who can who have that offensive dimension like Drew Doughty or uh, Duncan Keyes Petrangelo or, and Bo Meester in St. Louis Zuban if he kind of yeah Zuban and, get too wild <laughs> Zuban and Markov 
guys um, like that. So, it, so maybe that'll be Riley. I don't know. Hopefully he can develop into that. Yeah, that's the hope, I think. And then they have Gardner in the three or four spot. And, and you need a good, you know, solid two-way centerman who can take key face-offs and, and kind of play at both ends. Yeah, and it, they have a lot of options at center right now. It's just, is one of them going to stand up and do that? Like, you know, can Nick Spalling be your third-line center that – throws in some offense and wins key face-offs. You have Bozak, who's decent at face-offs and just kind of disappeared offensively for a long time last year. And then they have young, younger guys like this Arcabello, who is on his sixth NHL team in six months, I believe, which is impressive. And then Casey Bailey, I don't know anything about him. Yeah. Uh, so they, no. He's, they signed him. He came from uh, he came from the U.S. college system, I believe. So they only signed him to a one-year deal. It looks like it, and then he'll be an RFA in sixteen seventeen. Hmm. Um, for the tugboat, my formula for building a championship team is get an okay goalie. Like, uh, you know, if a goalie can put up a nine twenty save percentage, then that's good enough for me. Yeah. And then after that, you get a, a good defensive core, and then you need to have a good top three, and then a mediocre mi- middle six, and then the fourth line is basically if you need to give your first line more of a rest, you give think, them your their four minutes or six minutes a game. I think the difference is the fourth line has to be able to skate now. Yeah. It's really turned into a, a speed kind of skating yeah, and it's more for me. It's about puck possession. So if the fourth line can keep the play in the opposition's end for forty-five seconds, and then switch off just to give your your other guys an extra forty-five, that's the key. Because you do not want your fourth line to be hemmed in their own end. No. But no, that's, that's why you see fear and fear of the yeah the old the the old gladiators. That's why Colt Nor is a UFA, and Fraser, McLaren. Fraser McLaren will be a UF, or he'll be a. Yeah, he's Probably a retiree he's, or playing Europe or something. He's 27. You know, he could get picked up by somebody else. I don't think Europeans are that desperate for face punchers yet. Um. So other prospects. So from it seemed like in the past in the Burke years they were really working on kind of building the defense up in terms of prospects. So they had a bunch of guys like Stuart Percy, um, that other guy with the both names that started with K. Who am I thinking of? Anyways, they had a they had a whole suite of guys, and now those all seem to be just. Either they've given up on them and let them go elsewhere, or they've included them in trades to get them out of the organization. So they do have, in their top 10 prospects, they have this Valev, Valiev, 6'2", 210, played out west for Kootenai. Seems like he's got a pretty good, uh, pretty good future there. And then uh, you get down a little ways, a lot of forwards. Actually, I think the rest of the list is all forwards, so... They also have uh, Victor Louvre, is a guy that they think is going to challenge to make the team this year. 
and then they'll have Harrington um, deeper down the jet depth chart. They have guys like Matt Finn, who used to play for Guelph Storm. Uh, he's been to Memorial Cups and whatnot. But uh, the place where I see them being light in terms of prospects is in net. Um, yeah. They have Sparks, Bebo, who you said earlier was a big name in the Quebec League, and then somebody named Christopher Gibson, who, if he's listening... Sorry, buddy. I don't know who you are. Give me, a, give me a call. Tell, sell yourself to me. But yeah, the uh, the rest of them. I mean, you have Bernier, who's 26, and Reimer's 27. Uh, Bernier's a restricted after this year, and then you have Reimer for one more year at a really reasonable 2.3 million. Yeah, I would, I would, keep, I would try not to overpay. Well, he's got to earn it if he's going to get paid a lot anyways. And after last year, he's not worth much more than a couple million to me. But Yeah. That's why no, I'm I don't think it. he's really shown that he can be a consistent number one talent. Yeah, which is disappointing because when he came to town, everybody was like, all right, well, that's that's solved. We have a, an awesome goalie, French-Canadian. Yeah. But that's the way that goes, I guess. Um, do they go out and try and acquire someone? Or is there even that, like, is the amount of young potential goaltending really out there? Like, Tampa sucked up that kid that was an unknown, and then he played in the played in the finals. What's his name? Vasa, um, Vasa something. Yeah. I, I know he's, I can't think of his name either, but Vasilevsky. Yeah. yeah, something like that. They just sucked up a couple of these uh, European guys, so I don't know. The Leafs seem to be awesome at finding European forwards that will never play in the NHL. Maybe they should try and get a few goalies that will never play in the NHL, too. Did they draft any goalies? I'm just, that's what I'm looking into right now. I, not in the first two rounds, I know that, and not in the first three rounds, I believe, so anything after that is probably a roll of the dice. Well, they don't put that much. I think, I think they have hope that Bebo will be yeah will be an NHL goaltender but I guess they just need one prospect goalie and then just guys to fill in as a backup in the minors like Sparks I've heard of he's not the worst there is but I don't think he's going to be a, a game changer in the NHL with goalies now they have to be at least 6'3 to 6'5 yeah and mm-hmm. usually they develop a bit later so they um, that's why they're not drafted. Very rarely are they drafted in the first couple of rounds. They're yeah. usually uh, just something they figure out later. Yeah, figure out how to be a goalie later, like uh, your boy Anderson in Ottawa over there. Just kind of figured out how to be a goalie in his late twenties. Yeah, they just sign, sign some guy or uh, some guy comes out of nowhere like the Hamburglar. Or a guy like Dubnik, who's perpetually not that great, and plays in crappy places like Edmonton and Arizona, and then all of a sudden wins like 27 out of 35 games all of a sudden. Uh, even him, I think he's like 6'5". He's a big guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree that goalies have to be gigantic now to really, to really be effective, which is kind of weird. And I'm sure there'll be some small guy that will come and buck the trend, but... So far, that's the case, I guess. 
Um, so sliding out of prospects, what about the pieces that they have? What would you do with some of the guys? Like, who would you move out of the remaining, if you want to call it the core? Uh, loophole. If you can get somebody to take him, and I wouldn't worry about that much about what you get in return. Because, I mean, with his injury history. He's also, uh, he's also 31, handsome, and has a no-trade clause. Yeah, he's also handsome. Oh, well, that makes it tougher to move. I would probably try to move Van Riemsdyk because I think you can get something for him. His three years left at only 4.25. He's only 26, so I think like you get a good, decent return on that. He also has a no trade coming up after this season or next yeah. season, which is kind no, of I weird would... why he would have it in the last two years, but it's the way it goes, I guess. Bozak, I'd try to move him. I think he does. He have a he has a list of twelve team, teams that you can so, trade him to. Yeah, something like that. What a, like keep in mind too that you need to put an NHL team on the ice every night. <laughs> yeah, I know. So or you, you could buffalo it. So, no, I don't think that's in the cards. But I don't think the fan base would do that. They'd probably burn the ACC to the ground. But I think they, I think they understand what's happening what? this time around. What, uh, no, so the fans are stupid. The The general intelligence level of the Leafs fan base is embarrassingly low. Um, they, yeah, it's I've read some stuff that just makes me shake my head in, in disappointment and heard things on the radio that makes me want to cry. But, um, just bring Wendell back. Yeah, that's a lot of their hopes are just bringing back Joe Newendike, Matt Sundin, Wendell Clark, Doug Gilmore. <laughs> They're just idiots. Um, here's a thought for you to to chew on if you do move guys like jvr bozak lupul cadre etc um what kind of you need to get a roster piece back so do you go for try to get a young prospect or do you focus more on trying to get picks and hope that your marley's will be competitive against nhl teams it depends on if you think this draft is going to be good. And I've heard that this next draft is supposed to be another deep one. So if you feel that you want to get as many picks out of that as you can, then you go for your, go for picks. And they've already kind of written this season off. You know, they yeah. realize they're going to be bad, and yeah. that's just part of the process of rebuilding is acquiring younger assets. But it, dep- it also depends on what young prospect is being offered up how it fits into what they're trying to do. But yeah, I think how much most, of a need it is. I think they would like a lot of picks again in this upcoming year. And there's a really good player um, with the U.S. development program who's supposed to be number one named Austin, named Austin Matthews, I think. Yep. He's a big, uh, he's big uh, left-handed centerman who can, who's on pace or is breaking uh, Patrick Kane's records hmm. in terms of scoring. He's from, I think he's from the Phoenix area, believe it or not. Weird. But he's he could be an interesting piece. Yeah, Big but if he goes, he'll go first, so I wouldn't count on the Leafs finishing dead last. I mean, well, you just need a lottery pick. Yeah, I guess Edmonton is going to be should be on their way out of the lottery, one would assume. 
But then, yeah, you got other teams like Carolina. If they move Eric Stahl, then are they going to be really worried about winning? They're going to be pretty bad. Yeah, like there's a lot of teams, especially in the East, who are going to just really suck. Yeah, Boston, I don't know what they're doing, but... Yeah, they're doing yeah. some they're doing some interesting moves over there. Started off on a rebuild and then like they're calling it retooling, so whatever that means. They they acquired um what's his name? From uh Philadelphia for a third round pick, the scrapper. Uh anyways. Basically a guy whose job it is to fight and be a pest. Give you some perspective. I think Eddie Lack got moved for a third round pick. They, so they, serviceable NHL goaltender versus Zach Ronaldo. That's the guy's name. Oh, what a, why would you do that? They did get okay. Matt Bolesky though. So I don't. I don't know what they're doing. I think Cam Neely is probably the one who's in charge. And he wants the, the old Bruin hockey to come back. Well, they also got Jimmy Hayes out of Florida for. I don't even remember what, and then they signed Ronaldo, or Ronaldo's under contract for eight hundred and fifty thousand. Like I'm looking at their team right now, they don't have a backup goalie at this time. I guess they have Malcolm Subban, Subban coming up. Oh, what is the Seth makes seven hundred and fifty nine thousand? Seth Griffith, he'll probably be on the team. But they they got rid of, or they they watched said goodbye to. Johnny Boychuk, who I thought was an awesome defenseman, or yep. who is an awesome defenseman. Now Dougie Hamilton, uh, Tyler Sagan's gone. Like I don't know what this, they've and they're ruining their team. Sure. I guess they just decided to rebuild and not tell anybody. They're over the cap, also I think. Yeah, they've their cap management has been pretty pretty terrible, which has gotten them into this situation. Yeah, their but. bottom six is pretty atrocious um their top six is questionable also if Krejci stays healthy at least they'll have two good centermen and then yeah, yeah. their their wings are kind of they've got some they've got some pretty decent guys in the minors still um their goalie situation is kind of scary they're paying Lucic 2.75 million just for the one more year and then they're over by almost a million I don't know. I feel like teams like Boston and the original six teams, they're never awful. They always somehow find a way to finish, like, out of the good picks, like how the Leafs usually do. Yeah. So they're going to be – that division is not going to be – there's going to be some shuffling in that division. I think Buffalo's going to be better. Um, Tampa will probably be around the top. Montreal will be worse, I think. Yeah, I mean, unless Carey Price has a repeat performance. The Rangers will probably, probably be fun. worse. Yeah, here's, they'll probably be a bit worse. Here's something you don't realize. For the 2015, Boston has three picks in the first round and three picks in the second round. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if they are retooling and they can survive this year, the in three or four years, they'll have, they've got some room to be awesome. If they make yeah. So far they've been pretty good in the draft though. Yeah. So Yeah, that's uh good chat about about the Eastern Division. See see what happens there, but for the Leafs uh 
be ready for disappointment. But, uh, you know, I, I, the moves they've made so far, I haven't disagreed with them. Um, making moves like that Clarkson signing of a couple of years ago, I felt was pretty stupid, especially for five years. Just because the guy's available doesn't mean you have to pay him that much. <laughs> yeah. And they then, resisted that temptation. I thought they were going to pay Matt Bolesky way too much this year, but they, they held back. Or Mike Green or do something stupid like that. But, um, yeah, they're being a lot smarter with their money, and they're really focusing on the future for once, which is kind of refreshing. So I don't know what, how this is going to go, but it's a new direction, and it's definitely exciting to see them trying to do something other than just filling the seats and – rolling and money Scrooge McDuck style in a vault filled with gold coins indeed so alright Admiral I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there for this episode we're closing in on 50 minutes which is always fun perfect uh, for just longer than uh, some people's commute so excellent okay alright well, always a pleasure Okay, next time they do something of note, we'll have you back and have another discussion. Sounds good. Okay. That's all for now. Conversations.